Praise God. Thank you. I'm going to let you turn to the book of Genesis chapter 2. Amen. Genesis chapter 2. I feel the Lord working here, and I'm so thankful for that. You know, it's a, it's a privilege to be in the Lord's presence. It's not something we should take lightly or take for granted. You know, His presence is everywhere, but the manifestation of His presence is not the same everywhere. He's in your home, he's in your home right now. He's in your bedroom right now. He's in your closet right now. He's in your kitchen right now. He's everywhere because he he fills all space. But the manifestation that we feel right now of his presence is not what's taking place in your pantry, I promise you, right now. Because he's manifesting himself here to us this way. Amen? And we don't need to take that for granted. Every, Every opportunity that we get to be in the presence of God and that he would manifest his presence is important to us. I would dare say it's the most important thing to us. At least it should be. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. This is going to be a fun text. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25 And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Not ashamed. Everybody say not ashamed. So the Lord made man, Adam, in the garden, the first man. You know, he didn't put any clothes on him. He didn't give him some converse sketchers. He didn't put a bow tie on him. He probably didn't even comb his hair. But he, he, he made them with no intention of dressing them. They were naked and they were not ashamed because they didn't know any different. It's just what they knew. Because they lived in a place of innocence up to this point. There was no shame. There was no understanding that, oh, no, you're not dressed. That's just how God made men and women. Now go over to chapter 3, verse 7. And the interesting thing that takes place between where we're reading 2.25 and 3.7 in those six verses is when uh, Eve takes the fruit and eats it, gives it to Adam, and Adam takes the fruit and eats it. So that's what happens that we just jumped over. And now look what happens. And the eyes of them both were opened... And they knew that they were naked. It wasn't a very long time from the time they were created and not dressed to the time that they partook of that fruit and gained the understanding we are not dressed and we should be. Should be. I want to to think about that for a minute. Why should they be? Why now do they know that they should be? 
when before they didn't know that they should be. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Aprons. Something to put on that covers their body. Next verse, verse 8, They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now here's a question. They already put clothes on. They knew they were not dressed and they got dressed. So now why are they still hiding from God? Except it's more than just the clothing and covering they have on. Let me read that again. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Do you think that's because God doesn't know where they are? Just think about it for a minute. He knows where they are. He knew where they were before he started walking and his spirit started walking through the garden. He knew where they were, but they weren't in the place where he looked for them. So he said, where are you? All right, verse 10. He said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Wait a second, he's not naked anymore. They sewed fig leaves together and put on aprons, right? So either he doesn't really know whether he's dressed or not, or he felt like what he made himself was not a good enough covering. And he's still uncovered before the presence of the Lord in such a way that, no, I need to go hide myself further. Now let me, let me just say this. The voice of the Lord did not stop talking to Adam just because he sinned. His presence did not stop searching for Adam just because he disobeyed. The thought that the Lord won't speak to me, won't love me, won't come looking for me, won't care about me because I did something wrong is not a true thought. We have Bible right here that tells us God is going to keep speaking to you and he's going to keep searching for you regardless of what condition you're in. Now let me pause and take it a step further. Us Christians might look at somebody that we think they are just not covered. God's probably not even going to try to deal with them until they get some stuff straightened out. Let's look at the book again. He goes speaking to and searching for a person in a disobedient state that they're living in. Verse 10 again, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Verse 11, God says, who told you that you were naked? 
I don't know that anybody said it, but somebody might have just thought it. The devil told them they were naked. If he did, we don't have that in Scripture. What we have in Scripture was their eyes were opened and they knew. So who told? They told themselves through their gaining of understanding. Now they know all of a sudden I'm not the way I'm supposed to be. Sometimes you are the last person you need to be listening to. We think, because I hear myself more than I hear anybody else, that's probably the voice I should be listening to. Adam and Eve knew they were not dressed because of what they did and the understanding they got. Let me just, uh, where are we? Go down to verse 22. The Lord said, 21, sorry, Genesis 3 and 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skin and clothed, clothed them. Everybody say clothed them. You can say it better than I can. He dressed them. The Lord made coats of skin and dressed Adam and Eve with it. Thankfully, he pulled them out from their place of hiding where they were trying their best to cover themselves and we know they weren't happy or satisfied with the job they did because they were still hiding among the trees even though they had tried to cover themselves. Let me take you back to where we read in verse 20. They were naked and they were not ashamed. Once they got the understanding, along with the knowledge came shame. Along with the, no the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You don't know that you are good or evil until you get the knowledge and they got it from that partaking of the fruit and along with the knowledge came shame because they know I just did something I shouldn't have done and now I know the difference between good and evil and I know which side my actions put me on it put me on the side of evil the immediate response to that, shame, says I've got to get covered. I've got to get dressed. And I'm going to try to do this myself in such a way that I feel less shame about what I did. I need to, I need to cover my shame. I'm, I know we're going slow here, and I'm repeating some of this, but we need to know this. The covering that they made for themselves was not sufficient. Not only was it not sufficient enough to actually cover their bodies, it wasn't sufficient enough for them to feel like they could go back into the presence of the Lord. I've got to stay hidden. I've got to stay away because of this thing called shame. 
My shame tells me I'm not worthy to be in his presence again. I know he's going to come looking for me. I hear his voice, and instead of responding, I run and I hide. That is what shame makes a person do. Hide from the Lord. What's so, what's so crazy about this is we could be hiding from the Lord right here in plain sight, even in a church building, because I'm not hiding from you all. You're not hiding from me. If you were, you're doing a bad job because I see you all. So you're not hiding from one another, but shame makes a person hide from the Lord. And we say, I'm going to put up this wall in this area of my life. I'm going to get behind these trees and these bushes so the Lord can't see me. I can still hear his voice, but I am not interested in pursuing any closer because of my shame. Unto Adam and his wife, the Lord made coats of skin and clothed them. Verse 22, and the Lord God said, behold, the man has become as one of us. He wasn't like that until this took place. The Lord's become as one of us now that he's clothed the way I clothed him. When the Lord found Adam hiding in the bushes, dressed in his own apron, he was not like God. Because he was still in his own covering. But when the Lord put his covering on them, now he says, behold, the man has come as one of us. It's not because now he knows the difference between good and evil. You know how I know that? Because Satan knew the difference between good and evil. And when, when he say, oh, he's as one of us, no. So the, simply, the simple act of eating the fruit did not make Adam and Eve, according to this verse, as like God. Eating it, trying to cover themselves, failing, and then getting the covering of God on them made them like God. We're getting there. I need a covering. Everybody say, I need the covering. Exodus chapter 32. I'm going to try to save you some time in this story. Brother Tim, you can take this mic down a little bit. It feels a little loud. Exodus chapter 32. I'm going to start at verse 25, but where we're going to pick up reading here is after Moses had gone up into the mountain, the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. They're wandering in the desert. And Moses now is up on the mountain getting the word from the Lord. And you know this story. He comes back down from the mountain and he sees the people have not just gotten a little bit out of hand. 
they've gone full wild in in the matter of days they've gone from oh the lord is leading us he made a way in the in the river and he let us walk through it and he took us out of bondage they went from that to who's god this is our god this strange idol in the matter of days now i just want you to see this so Moses comes down from the mountain. He's already hearing something going on. This is, I don't know what's taking place, but I don't like it. So he says, when Moses saw the people were naked, for Aaron made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. Man, I, I don't know that we talked a whole lot about the role that Aaron played in this whole thing. But it was not good. Not at all. And in fact, the more you see and learn, the worse it gets. And the funny thing is, he said, the people asked me to do all of this. They came to me and said, Moses and the God of Moses are nowhere near us now. He's been up there at least a few hours, at least a few days. We have to have a God. I'll just remind you that Aaron is still the one that God chose to make the priest, the order of the priest. So that gives me a little leeway to be, some, be hard on him because he wasn't some, you know, terrible, he just fell out with God. No, he's just acting according to whatever. That's not the Lord. He... The people come to him and say, we have to have a God. We have to have something to worship. You know, we spent a lot of our lives in Egypt. And there we learned we have to have a God to worship. So make us a God so we can worship him. The God of Moses and Moses, our leader, are way up there on that hill. We don't know how to survive without him. We can't follow the leading of a Lord that we don't know. We can't follow his voice while he's way out there. I'm going to, let me, let me say this. These are not new converts. These are not new beginners in Christ. People that Oh, they picked up a, a caravan on, on their journey and, oh, you can join us. We'll teach you about God as we go. No, these are the ones that God started with and brought out. And they don't know God well enough to serve him while Moses is up on the mountain. Including Aaron. The second, the second guy. The second in command. All Aaron knows is, oh, I don't need to say this, but I'm going to. All Aaron knows is how to keep the people happy. So we'll do whatever we have to do to keep the people happy. Apparently that's what I do in my role. I just make people happy. And I do what Moses tells me. But since he's not here, 
I'll do what they tell me. Uh, I feel the Lord working on about three different levels right now. And so he's going to help us. Where, are, where am I? And what am I listening to? Who am I following? How close am I to God? Am I close enough that if I go 40 days without going to church, hearing the word of God from the elder or from bishop or whoever else, if I go that long without receiving that, am I going to start looking around and listening to other voices and looking for other gods to serve? If the Lord just decides, I'm going to let you pray for 40 days before I answer any of it. Are we going to make it 40 days? Or are we going to get about two weeks into it and be like, I think he's gone now. Let's go see what else there is to do. So Moses comes down and he sees, when I went up there, everybody was wearing clothes. I'm sure of it. But now I'm back down here, and they're not. What is going on? And he finds it out. In case you didn't know, Moses is the one that wrote the book of Exodus. So I love how he puts himself in the third person as if maybe he, he just kind of heard this from somebody else. No, he's writing with the inspiration of the Holy Ghost to say, you won't believe what happened when I got down off the mountain. They weren't even dressed. Now, how do, you, how do you go from giving up your earrings and your bracelets and your gold and taking what else gold you brought from Egypt? I don't know. I, I'm sure Aaron didn't do that in a matter of an hour or two. I'm sure it took a while. Are they just sitting there like, come on, Aaron. When's that golden calf going to be ready? We got to have somebody to worship. We, uh, is it ready yet? Is it ready yet? How do you go from that to such a place of devotion that you're willing to disrobe and partake of, this, of the worship of this idol? I'm reminding you again, this all happened in less than 40 days. It gets to the condition of the Israelites, what, they, what condition they were living in. The, why do you think the Lord said, I've got to take my people out of here? I've got to take them out of Egypt. If not, it, they're already at this point where they're willing to go after a strange God in the matter of a few weeks. I've got to do something to preserve a little bit of a body while I still have one. The Lord covers us. And then, you know what? He intends for you to stay covered. After he's done his work, But confusion with this world, 
confusion. Everybody say confusion. Confusion with this world, mixed up with this world. We see through this story how God's covering is not enough. And I don't mean when we're living right. I mean when we're living not right. Adam and Eve, they started with aprons of fig leaves. Furthermore, that was not well enough because to cover the sin, there had to be death. Repentance, change, dying. Where do you think he got those coats of skin? I promise you he didn't skin a live animal. That sounds pretty gross. I don't want to go there. But he made it, put it on him, and said, now you're like me. Stay like me. I could just imagine Eve, or Adam, or both of them, once the babies come along, saying, um, you got that nice coat, I got this nice coat. What is this baby going to wear? Uh, apron? A figs? That might work for a little bit. But eventually, he, she, is going to grow, and they are going to need more covering. They're going to need to be like you and me. I see right here the role that parents play in their child's life. If you are on this side of adulthood now and you didn't have that parent, all you have to do is thank the Lord you made it to here. There's no, there's no other reason for any other debate or, or conversation. Thank the Lord you made it to today. I feel like I'm tossing out hand grenades and they're just hitting in different places. I promise you it's not my intention, but this is what the Lord is telling us today. I, I can't be 25 years old, 35, 40 years old, I wouldn't even say 15 years old, and be sitting here thinking, well, I'm not a Christian because my parents didn't love the Lord. I'm not a Christian because they didn't teach me right. I'm not a Christian. I go through all my problems. I have all of my excuses because when I was three or five or eight, mm -mm, today is the day of salvation. For you. For me. And the day, once the salvation happens, it doesn't matter what happened in the past. We have this old saying in old Christianity, it's under the blood. Whatever happened, it's under the blood. That's the death. That's the repentance. It's under the blood. So now I've got to live with the covering that I know God has created for me. When you're the child, you don't know what that is. 
But when you're the parent of the child, you know what that is, and you have the responsibility. Train. Train. Train up the child. Teach them. You know what? The Lord gave us a covering. The Lord made you. And he made you. Oh, I'm just going to hit them all. He made you male or female. The Lord did that. And part of your training is, since you are a male, this is what you do. Or since you are a female, this is what you do. Everybody say train. Train up a child. I'm just going to keep going. The way that you were trained has nothing to do with how you train your child except if you were trained right and you know it, then you just keep doing it. But if you were not, that is no longer a crutch. That is no longer an excuse. The, the, oh, the world would have you believe that your child is theirs to teach and to train. Give them to us. Give them to us at four years old, six years old. We'll train them. We'll teach them. We'll train them that they might be male or they might be female. Give it a few more years and see how you feel. We'll train them that, yeah, they are a male, but it's okay for them to act like this. Or they are a female, but it's okay for them to act like this. The world, the world wants your child to train them according to worldly thought. There is either worldly or godly, and there is no middle. Train up your child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That is a biblical responsibility. All right, teenagers that don't have children, you are not dismissed from what we're talking about today. You all have a responsibility when you know what is right. You do it, you example it, and you encourage it. You don't discourage it, and you don't just let it float on by as if it has nothing to do with you. And I know when you're talking to teenagers, they think everything has nothing to do with them. That's, I, I, I'm, I'm speaking into the brain right now. All right? If I know God made male and female, and he gave coverings to male and to female, I need to live accordingly. I need to act accordingly. And I need to example to others accordingly. And I need to encourage it. 
you think you think you're doing somebody a favor by by pretending to be on their side and okay when they're doing something you know is not okay I promise you that is not the love of God oh we just got to be nice to them can't we can't hurt their feelings so you can condone their sin you can make them feel better about their choices is that what you're telling me let's go ahead and pray right now Lord Lord we commit all of this to you everything that you're saying to us father every voice Lord every word that you're speaking to us, God. I, I lay hold on it today. I lay hold on it today, Jesus. I want to know the truth and I want to walk in it, Lord. I want to walk accordingly, according to the word, according to the knowledge that you would share with me. God, I want to walk. I want to live. I want to example the truth of God. I want to example the oneness, the holiness, the love, all of it of who you are, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 19. I see a parallel in this passage to what we read about with Adam and Eve hiding this is Jesus speaking. In fact, this is Jesus still speaking to Nicodemus. We know very well what he says at the beginning of the chapter. You must be born again. You must be born of the water. You must be born of the spirit. He's giving this understanding to Nicodemus. In fact, he takes it all the way down to John 3.16 where he says, For God so loved the world. You know that verse. And then he doesn't stop there. He keeps going here. And he starts to talk about mankind. God so loved mankind that he gave his only begotten son. Because he doesn't want us to perish. He wants us to have everlasting life. And as, as crazy as it sounds, men don't always just come right in, in line with that. Believe it or not, not every man just drops to his knees and thanks the Lord and lives a submitted life to him from that point forward. Why? Because we're still human. And every day that you're a human is a day that you're going to have to face your flesh, your choices, your decisions. Until the Lord calls you away, this applies Let's go ahead back to verse, uh, verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Everybody say already. Already. Not he's condemned once he does something wrong. He's condemned already. If he doesn't believe, he's condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19. This is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Adam 
did an evil deed and then decided, I've got to stay away. I've got to live. I've got to hide. I've got to be away from God. Men prefer darkness because their deeds are evil. The next verse. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Everybody say hate. Adam was the creation of God. Created to love God. To have a relationship with God. And up until the sin, he was doing that. He was fulfilling that. Do you really think that Adam, as soon as he took a bite of the fruit and disobeyed, he put it down and said, oh, I hate God now. I, I, I loved him right before I did this, but not anymore. But the scripture says, everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Evil produces hatred. And the more evil you do, the more hatred gets produced. The first, in us, especially now, it, we probably wouldn't say, well, that my initial hatred is directed right at the Lord, and I'm so mad that he made me do this. I'm so mad that he made me, and now I do this. However you want to phrase it, it's not, that's not where a person would go right away. Most likely... The first place the hatred would go is look at whatever circumstances made you do it. I hate the serpent because he made me do it. Hmm? Really? He opened your mouth, stuck that fruit there, made you chew it, made you swallow it. Is that what he did to you? No, but he still made me do it, kind of. I mean, I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for him. Okay, I can meet you halfway on that point. But who made you do it? Okay, at some point, you work down far enough to come to the realization, I am the one to blame for my evil actions. But as we just said, evil produces hatred, and if I eventually get to the point where I blame myself, then the hatred that's produced will be directed at myself. And some point along the way, I hate myself. I hate myself because of all that I've done. I, I, I know it wasn't the devil, I know it wasn't God, and I know it wasn't my friends. I am a rational person, and I realize nobody can make me do anything, so I did it. Therefore, the evil starts to work and produce hatred towards myself. You know what that is essentially the same thing as? Shame. Shame. I did wrong, therefore, 
I am ashamed of myself, of what I've done. God made us unashamed. He made men with the intention that they would live without shame. Do you think God has shame? You think he's ashamed of himself? No. You think he hates himself? No. God is love. But the, he made us unashamed. We did our own evil works, which produced shame in us. But it doesn't stop there. God made coats of skin to cover our shame. And he looked at us and said, now they're like me. Now they're like me. Why? Because they have a covering that allows them to not feel ashamed. They don't have to hate themselves. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Next verse. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. I want to learn. I want to know who is behind this. Who is behind my life? Who is behind my actions? Directing me. Controlling. Who, who's in charge? We can stand. I'm coming to a close. When we, when we try to cover up our shame from our own wrongdoings, it only leads to more problems. This is because the Lord made a way to cover our shame, our unrighteousness. The Lord made the way to do that. What I, what I feel today is the Lord offering his covering to us. He said, I've made a way for this to be available to you. I shed my blood so that this could be available to you. I don't want you to live in a place of shame. He doesn't want you to live in a place of hating yourself. If I wake up and I'm like, oh man, I, I, I'm already mad because i got to go through this again. And I'm hating myself. The Lord does not want that for me. That's not his plan. That's not his intention. But if I wake up and I say, Lord, I thank you for covering me today. I thank you for offering me covering from my own shame, covering from my own sin. You made the way so that I don't have to live this way. Then we walk in it. We live in it. I'm going to ask every eye closed. I'm going to ask you to find a place to pray. The, the altar is open. This front is open. If you want to pray in your seat, if you want to turn and kneel at your seat, whatever you want to do, I know the Lord has spoken to us today. I know that he is imparting wisdom and direction to us today. 
Lord, in your name, I receive it today. God, I receive your covering on my life today. I receive the anointing, Lord God, that you desire to put on my life. God, the way that you want me to live. God, it's not the own thing that I've produced. It's not what I've produced of myself, God, but it's what you've allowed me to have. It's what you've offered to me. I receive it today, Father. I want to live in it. I want to walk in it. I want to walk in the covering that you've provided for me, God. I want to train those that are watching. I want to train those that are impressionable, God, to know and learn what is the truth, to learn and know who you are, Father, the truth of your word. As the scripture says, let God be true. Let God be true. The word of God, let it penetrate my heart, my spirit, God, and let it cause me to change. Let it bring about a change in me, Father. I want it to be a noticeable change, Lord, that I would know this is you working on me. You working on me, Lord, living inside of me living inside of me and working on me, Father. I thank you for it today, God. I accept it, Lord. I receive it today. In the name of Jesus.
think it would be good if everybody could just find someone to pray with for a moment. Come on, if you've got a friend, a relative, whatever it is, find someone to pray with. Nobody's in this by themselves. Nobody's called to be alone. 